This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. One of the highlights of his time in prison was they tore all the pages out of a Bible. And they didn't tear the pages out to discredit or dishonor the Word of God, but it was to give every guy in the prison a page of the Scripture. It, it moved me just to think they knew that's how significant the Word of God was. So again, if you need your Bible, raise your hand. Go with me to 1 Peter 5. We're still on our wilderness series. So as we go to 1 Peter 5, the, the trials that we face today are preparing us for the great feats that we will accomplish tomorrow. And so some of this wilderness is kind of like we're in a boot camp or training camp. And what is happening here is I believe is there's a thing called preparation. And part of preparation is we've got to learn to to make great habits or be self-disciplined. So we're going to tackle another one today. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 5. Likewise you younger people submit yourself to your elders. Again, I want to highlight that just real briefly because I believe this, one of the worst things can happen to a young people is you succeed before you're ready. Is that possible? Yeah, and so years back you would hear this saying, when somebody came on, they would say, he's green. Well, again, I, I'm not trying to be politically correct here. I know you're not supposed to use colors anymore because people will get offended. But again, when we talk about green, we're talking about they're not ripe. They're just beginning to start. And so again, I believe this is to a degree what he's trying to tell us here. And so he goes on and says, Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. God resists the proud. And and when you see the word proud, it, it has to do with our prominence. Look at me, look at me. Our wealth, look what I have. Or my accomplishments, look what I've done. Those are all rooted in pride. But he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And it takes great humility to have faith where I I trust and I rely on God. Where I say, Father God, I'm going to trust you that I believe with all my heart. You'll do what you told me you would do. And he says in verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Now, each week we've talked over and over about this. And now we begin in verse 8, a whole other wilderness experience. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So for me and you to walk in, in the destiny that God has in our life, it doesn't come without resistance. There is going to be a fight. The Bible is very clear where it says the just shall, shall fight the good fight of faith. We'll live by faith. And so when I look at the fight we're talking about here, and we're going to dig in or dive into verse 8 more and more. The battle, according to Ephesians 6.12, is we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So the battle's not against your spouse. It's not against your boss. It's not against your mother-in-law. It's against the devil. So let's look real close today on on verse number 8, and we're going to highlight this. Be sober. Be sober. The word sober here means to act in a responsible manner. It means self-controlled, well-balanced. 
One translation says being free from the influence. And so when we see the word sober, it's literally talking about disciplining ourselves with the grace of God to live self-controlled. The second one, he says, is be vigilant, watchful, careful, cautious, alert. And it's interesting that through the Holy Spirit that Peter wrote these words, be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, your opponent, your enemy, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking or looking for someone that he may devour. Now, as I begin to study on these lines, the word may devour is a very interesting statement. It doesn't say he can devour. It says that he may devour. Now, think just a little bit about the word may. When we ask for something, may I, it's like I'm asking for permission. So, may I have a cookie? May I come to your house? May I go to the ball game with you? May I? And so what this literally means, I believe, it ties into Ephesians 4.27, which says, don't give place or opportunity to the devil. May I, may I, seeking whom he may devour. So his desire for every one of us is devour you. Now this may be a revelation to you, but I'm going to tell you right now, the devil's not your friend. The devil can't stand you because you're marked by the blood of Jesus. So we go back and we look and we think of this. How do we give the devil access? How do we give him the opportunity that he may devour us? The first area that I go back to is starting in verse 5. That when I live a life of pride and arrogance, am I giving the devil opportunity? I believe it is. And then the second area in this passage was when I refuse to cast my care upon the Lord. When I take those cares upon myself... I get weighed down with this thing called life. And is it another way that I say, you may, even though that's not my intention? What about if I don't learn to live sober? Am I giving him access? If I don't learn to be vigilant, am I giving him access? Because again, it says, seeking whom he may devour. So understand this about the devil. He rules this world, but he doesn't rule us. And this is part of the reason I believe that through the Holy Spirit, Peter wrote, I must learn to be sober and vigilant. Now, I want you to think about the word sober for a minute, because when I look at it the first few times, the the first thing comes to my mind is having to do with the opposite of being sober would be to be under the influence of alcohol or something that causes me not to be sober. So again, when I do that, I let down my guard. Now, I'm going to ask a question. You don't need to raise your hand. Just think about this. If you've ever been in a drunken state or you've seen someone in a drunken state, have they ever done something really stupid or ridiculous? Yeah. You know why? Because when I get under the influence, I let my guard down. And anytime I let my guard down, understand this. 
the devil will take advantage of you. I don't care who you are. The devil's going to try to take advantage of you. Now, to help us a little bit with this word called sober, go with me to Revelation 17. Revelations chapter 17. And let's let the word of God here really, really instruct us in this area. And you'll begin to see how the scriptures are going to tie this all together. But again, get ready, okay? The word of God has the ability to correct us if I'll receive it. Revelation 17, verse 1. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment. One translation says the sentence of judgment is doom. Now, when we see the word judgment, that is the judicial process of deciding whether someone's guilty or innocent. And so he says, I will show you the judgment or the doom of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Now, when I look at the wording here, the great harlot almost always goes back to Babylon or better yet, the Roman Empire. And when he talks about this, the Roman Empire was hostility toward the things of God, or better yet, it was a corrupted Christianity. Now when he says here, the judgment of the Roman Empire, so it was more like the way the world flowed. There was going to be a judgment to it. But he said this, who sits on many waters. And so when we see the many waters, most believe this was the people or the groups of whom the harlot uh, was over. If you want to dig in a little bit more, right here in this same chapter, just look at verse 15 and it'll tell you exactly what that says right there. So again, we're going to highlight that. Then he gets on to verse 2 and he says, With whom the kings of the earth committed fornication. Now as I begin to look at that, we begin to study and I begin to cross-reference the word committed fornication in Strong's literally means pornography. What does pornography have to do with? It has to do with my eyes. It's something that I begin to see. But understand this, just because it has to do with my eyes, the ultimate effect of pornography, it affects my heart. It makes your heart hard. You get into pornography, it makes your heart hard, okay? The second uh, uh, definition of it is to be unfaithful. The next definition is means to prostitute oneself. And the last one, it describes uh, spiritual form, fornication, which is idolatry. And so he begins to say, this is what the judgment would take place would was because they committed fornication. Keep reading. And the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of fornication. And so when you see what he's talking about here, could it be the believer who's compromised in this area? The believer who's, who's gotten drunk on the wine of the world? It literally is talking about self-gratifying or intoxicated with immorality. Now listen to some of these definitions or different uh, translations. The New International Version says they were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries, plural. So literally stated here, 
me and you, we can be intoxicated with the world's, uh, with the world's uh, flavors, with the world's immorality here. And so as a believer, I can take on the form of godliness while yet being drunk on the things of this world. So let me ask you something right now. What of the things of the world are you intoxicated with right now? Now, that doesn't always mean inherently sinful. There can be things that I become intoxicated with, that I become drunk with. And and again, we get over onto the word sober. The word sober is self-controlled and well-balanced. And so literally stated here, my appetites become misdirected. I've lost my edge. It also means that I become an easy target. It means detachment. And so when I look at this, it's talking about I've compromised in the areas that have hurt me into the things of God. I can't allow this world to grip me, okay? Doesn't matter what it is. So let me ask you something again. Is there something that this world has got you intoxicated with? Again, I I can't overlook this. I can't run from this. That's why I believe it's very important that we learn to say, Father God, grace me to be self-controlled. Grace me to be well-balanced. And so what I find out here is I I can't be vigilant without first being sober. You know why? Because it takes a well-disciplined person to be vigilant. Now, go with me to the book of Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. And if you were to look at what we were talking about there in Revelation 17, it is literally an anti-Christian civilization. It talks more and more the further you go in that about wealth of, of earthly glory and abominations is what we become drunk with. Anything's designed to pull me away from the things of God. And so, am I sober? Have I learned to be self-controlled? Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Christian graces is the subtitle of this, this passage. Continue earnestly in prayer. The word earnestly means unwearied, steadfast in your prayer life. Be or continue earnestly in prayer, being Vigilant. Being vigilant. Again, the word vigilant means to be alert. It means to be intent in your praying. So he says, continually, earnestly in prayer. Being vigilant in it, in prayer, with thanksgiving. And so when you look at what he's talking about here, do you think we would be urged to pray? Do you think we would be told to to be vigilant, alert, If there wasn't an enemy that was coming after us. So when I look at what he's talking about here in our prayer life. Don't take your destiny as a matter of course. In other words, don't think just in this life, whatever will be, will be. Because the devil is going to try to get you off track. In other words, the devil's goal is to have a spiritual ambush. And so when he tells us here, continue to pray. Don't lose heart. Learn to pray. And so part of the vigilance here is one of my greatest weapons is my prayer life. 
And to have a prayer life, I must be disciplined. Now, again, I don't want to have a show of hands, but how many in here got a prayer life? Well, I pray every time we eat. Well, that's not a prayer life, okay? It is a good thing to pray over your food, but it's interesting to me that one of the successes of a man named Daniel, in Daniel 10, he says he prayed morning, noon, and night. Well, he didn't have a lot to do. No, he made a choice at a young age. And so I encourage every one of us in this room right now, make a choice to pray. Say, grace me, Father God, to develop a prayer, uh, a prayer life. Verse 3. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word. The significance of the word of God. The absolute truth of the word of God. I, I applaud people more and more that have an appetite for the word of God. If you don't have an appetite for the word of God, ask God to grace you in that area, okay? You need to live by the word of God. He goes on to say, for the word... To speak the mystery of Christ. The mystery of Christ was salvation. Now it's interesting right here that the apostle Paul wrote the things he desired for you to pray for him was the word of God was with relevance and that salvation. Pray, 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 pray. Man, I believe those are two of the greatest things in our society right now. We got to pray for the word of God. Only the truth sets people free. And that salvation comes. I pray, Lord, salvation. And he goes on to say, For which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Verse 5. Walk in wisdom. The New American Standard says, Conduct yourselves. The New International Version says, Be wise in the way you act. The Amplified says, Behave yourself wisely. Live prudently with discretion. And then why does he say this? Now watch this. Toward those who are outside. You know what he's talking about here? Behave yourself wisely with people that aren't born again. Let me help you with that. If I don't behave myself wisely with the people I run with that are outside the body of Christ, you run with the snakes, you're going to get bit. If I don't learn this. And so when I look what he's talking about, even right here in this passage, there's some of you need to break up with some of your friends. Because they're leading you in the wrong direction. Now here's a little hint for you. This may help you. If every time you get around that person, something's going to happen, maybe you ought to break up with them. If you know before you even run out with, and I don't care if it's your uncle, your aunt, or your cousin. Well, pastor, I grew up with them all. If I don't heed this scripture, this is what's going to happen in my life. Now, I can tell you in my own life, that's what began to take place. I got born again, and I continually ran with outsiders. And guess what? I got bit. Until I came to a place in my life where I was strong enough spiritually to be around them. So when you look at what he's beginning to say, man, I got to get a hold of this. And he goes on to say, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, 
redeeming the time. Now listen real close what that phrase, redeeming the time. We are to be good stewards of our time, using it wisely and constructively. This cross references us to Ephesians 5.16, which says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So you better pay attention with what you're doing with your time. Now, as I'm looking at this and I'm studying this over and over, I catch a cross-reference in this that really begin to tie this whole morning of being sober and vigilant together. Go with me to the book of Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel chapter 16. Make the most of the time. Seize the opportunity. Capitalize. Because the days are evil. Now, as I begin to cross this, I begin to see things that pertain to us in our society. Let me help you through and just paraphrase a few of these. The Bible is very clear that it says, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the second coming of Jesus or the second coming of man. You know what that tells me? History repeats itself. And so the, the second coming of the Lord Jesus will mirror a lot of things that took place in Noah's days but in this passage here, it takes us to the days of Sodom in the Old Testament. Now watch what it says here. Chapter 16 of Ezekiel, verse 49. Look, this was the iniquity or the sin of your sister Sodom. Now when you see the word sister here, the sister here, or Sodom first of all, describes as sisters to Jerusalem. When we see here next, when he talks about the daughters, the daughters that he's referring to are suburbs of the city of Jerusalem, okay? So he's talking to a group of people and he says, Look, this was the iniquity of your system, Sodom. She and her daughter had pride. They were very prideful. They were fullness of food. An abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand or the poor or the needy. The Amplified says, pride, overabundance of food, a prosperous ease, an idleness. The New International Version says they were arrogant. They were overfed. They were unconcerned. They were dominated by detestable things. And so as I read that, guess what comes up immediately? That's America. That's us right now. Pride. Look here, close with me. Pride. Anytime I get over in pride, guys, I'm going to tell you, I, I've let down my guard of being sober and vigilant. The next thing he says, the fullness of food. As it was in the day of Noah, they were eating and drinking and giving in marriage. So food became one of their highlights. That's a highlight of our society. And then it's interesting, he said, and the abundance of idleness. 
Now here's a thought for you right now. What do you do with your idle time? I watch a lot of TV. We watch a lot of movies. I get on Facebook. I love to play Fortnite. Listen, real close. Those are not inherently sinful. But when they begin to dominate my time, I become detached from the things of God. So I'm reading this about idle time. And guess where it takes me? It takes me to a man named King David. And what I'm talking about here is the the passage in 2 Samuel chapter 11. And David had a lot of time on his hands. And it says there that it was the time of year when kings went out to do battle. But he decided not to do what he was supposed to do. And so he's got a lot of time on his hands. So you know what he does? He goes up on a roof one night. And all of a sudden he begins to see a woman across the courtyard bathing. And what I begin to see with this is the idleness of his time was taken up by his eyes. And so we go back to our eyes. They committed fornication. It had to do with their eyes, what I see. So the old song, be careful little eyes what you see. And even in his life, when he began to gaze on this woman named Bathsheba, he never knew where that first little seed of what he looked like because of idleness would ultimately take him to that place. And so when I look at this right here and I begin to see, I've got to be sober. I've got to be vigilant in this area. I've got to be self-controlled even with my idle time. If I'm not, whew, this, gets, this gets really interesting. Idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor or the needy. Woo! They could care less about the needy. Pride, glutton, laziness. This is all these, these are all the, the words that are identified here. And then we get to verse 50. We hadn't even got into verse 50. And they were haughty. And I begin to look up the word haughty. And, and the word haughty was a meaning of showing self one or showing oneself above everybody else. Look at me. Look at me. And, and when you look, there's a difference between pride and haughty. Haughty literally is, I'm better than you. I'm better than you because what I wear. I'm better than you because what I drive. I'm better than you because I live in this part of town. And so this becomes strong warnings. I told you early, you better get your seatbelt on today. Because I'm not going to back off preaching the word, okay? We're going to preach the truth. And he doesn't end there. And they were haughty. And they committed abominations before me. Now let me define abominations. Wicked or detestable sins. And every time abominations is mentioned, it is highlighted with sexual sin. Does that not define our society? 
Therefore, I took them away as I saw fit. I did away with them. Now again, when you see this, this is the judgment of God. The the judicial process of declaring innocence or guilty. Now let me help you with this real quick. If I had to stand before God right now, am I guilty of pride? Am I guilty of being haughty? Am I guilty of being overfed? Am I guilty of what I do with my idle time? Am I guilty of sexual sins? Am I guilty of could care less about the poor? Because here's where you get back with all this. The day's coming when we're going to be judged. And so what do we do about it? Well, I'm glad you asked. Go with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Woo, it got quiet in this Presbyterian church. Listen, guys, I live under the same guidelines. And the Lord began to deal with me on idleness. What do you do with your idle time? You know, most of it's, it's either our phone, a computer, or it's a remote control. Pastor, you watch too much TV? At times I do, especially on Saturdays with college football. The Lord begins to deal with me about my time. Is college football wrong? It's not inherently sinful. But something happens when it begins to dominate me. And again, when it dominates me, I become detached from the things of God. And again, think about this. The devil walks about seeking like a roaring or seeking to destroy like a roaring lion. He's just looking. Now Jesus gives us some great insight here. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. I like to hear those pages turning. Bless you. It's a sound of freedom. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. Uh, It's on the Mount of Olives. One of Jesus' favorite places to go. Uh, Jerusalem sits here. Below it was the Kidron Valley. Why I say all that is it's still very very fresh in my mind. I, I was at Gethsemane. I've been there. And so I begin with, would always think back about how Jesus did that. I've been to this area right here. And so he says, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. Now I highlight prayer again. This was the Son of God. But yet when he walked the, the earth as a man, as the Son of Man, he knew the significance of prayer i got to be vigilant in prayer. He goes on to say, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. The time for his crucifixion was rapidly uh, coming. Then he said to them, Peter, James and John, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Even to death, stay here and watch with me. Stay here and be vigilant 
with me. And so again, for me to be vigilant, I first must be sober. i got to be self-controlled and say, Lord, help me, grace me to be disciplined in this area. And so when he says, watch with me, if I don't watch with him, if I don't take time to pray, it's very hard for the Lord to speak to my heart. And there's times in our life, I believe God has an inner alarm that's going off on the inside of every one of us that says, something's not right. It's a gnawing. It's a driving irritation. And no matter how good things look in the natural, I must be prayerful and vigilant. i got to get over in that area and say, oh, Lord, help me. I can't ignore it. I can't become complacent. Watch with me. Verse 39. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying, Oh my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You know what I see right there? The Lord Jesus said, Father God, I prefer your will above mine. Here's something interesting about that statement. It takes us back into Ephesians 5. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. And so he says, one of the ways I, I get through these evils, I got to pray. I got to be watchful. Verse 40. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he said, Peter, what? Could you what not watch with me? One hour. Could you not pray with me one hour? Now, let me ask you something. If he came and stood to you, how would you answer that? Could you not watch and pray with me one hour? Pastor, I don't have time to pray for an hour. Well, if your cell phone is similar to mine, it tells me how much my screen time is for the week. And, and I don't get excited when my screen time's gone up. I get excited when my screen time's gone down. Could you not watch with me for an hour? Well, I had to go to the ball game. And you know, the ball game takes four or five hours. I, I, I didn't have time. We had to go to the birthday party. And so again, I highlight things that aren't inherently sinful, but are things that design. The devil looks seeking whom he may devour. And it's interesting what Jesus said. Couldn't you pray an hour? Verse 41. Watch, be vigilant, and pray lest you enter and fall or in temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. But I don't have time to pray. And so when all hell breaks loose in our life, you know what our favorite saying is? Where were you, Father God? Woohoo! The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, your flesh, it always follows the path of least resistance. 
If you allow your flesh to do what it wants, it'll do what it wants. It will scream, it will kick, it will buck, it will throw a fit. How many of you flesh through a fit today for a cup of coffee? It's amazing to me how I can be dominated by a cup of coffee. You're talking about mood swings. Oh, it's like night and day. When, when Larry doesn't have his cup of coffee, he's meaner than the devil. So I look at this, my flesh, but yet Jesus gave it. He said, couldn't you just pray with me an hour? And his exact words was, watch and pray, lest you fall into temptation. You let your flesh dominate you. And so what happens is when I give myself to prayer, I become more sensitive to the things of the spirit realm. And God is able to lead me and guide me. And not only that, I'm watchful, I'm alert, I'm I'm seeing danger. I'm seeing things beginning to happen. Why? Because I took time to pray. I became in tune with God. I'm not going to become in tune with God by my flesh. It's not going to happen. Keep reading. And again a second time he went away and prayed saying, Oh my father, this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it. And again he said, Your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again. And he prayed the third time saying the same words. And so what you begin to see, and again, and again, and again. Couldn't you pray for me an hour? Couldn't you stay awake again and again? And when I read this, you know what happens with my own life? How many times do I say again? The Spirit of God's tugging on me. Come on, come on. Come and pray. Come and hang out with me. But again, I say, no, man, I'd rather watch MASH. Some of you don't even know what MASH is. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Wow. Because of my lack of discipline, my lack of obedience, My lack of follow-through, my lack of being sober and vigilant. Could this be an area that I say, Father God, grace me. Grace me to be vigilant. Grace me to be sober. Grace me today with an obedience, a desire to obey you. See if this defines me, i got to repent. God wants to speak to us. God wants to help us. The spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. And because this happens, I I fail to reach the destiny, the things that God has planned for every one of us. And so when I talk about being sober and vigilant, understand this is part of my armor. This is part of my everyday armor. I'm going to end with this. This is 1 Peter 5, verse 8 in the message. And it says, The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep your guard up. Keep your guard up. 
Back in, in Matthew 26 where we are, the message says, don't be lazy as an old dog. Begin to look at this and I thought, is this where we're at right now? Is God, is God wanting some men and women, young, young boys and girls to say, Pastor, grace me to be sober. Grace me to be vigilant. Grace me to be a kingdom giant. Just stand on your feet today with me. Again, we have in our society a thought that just because something is inherently sinful, it's okay. I don't believe that's true. I believe it's all designed to, to pull us. So the question is, is this of God or is this of the world? I'm going to ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. just with every head bowed right now are there areas of your life or there areas of my life that are right now heavily heavily influenced by the world have, have I become intoxicated with the things of this world we could go back into Exodus 16 and see all those things whether it was pride, haughty, just the idle time, the, the sexual sin. And we, we live in a society that we have the thought, it's okay. If it feels good, do it. But I've, I've detached myself from the, the things of God. And when I detach myself, my heart becomes hard. And I, I sense the Lord saying, man, if you'll not, not only repent... But ask my grace upon you to do a 180 and turn. I'm going to move today. How are you filling your idle time up? So as they sing today, I don't don't know about you, but I I, want to put on a a fresh armor today. I want to be clothed with humility. I I, I want the wardrobe of being sober and vigilant. I want a desire to pray. Pray more than I never have, than I've ever had before. I want to come into your presence. So as they begin to sing here today, I, I welcome you. And if you're like me, there's a side of me that I, I just really need to come here and repent and say, Lord, I repent for idleness in my life. I, I repent of being lukewarm, being dominated by certain things of my flesh. So I welcome you to, to, to respond. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlebeck.com.